This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Welcome to episode 55 of TGIC Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. So today we're recording our last official episode of the summer. So sad. Actually, I'm kind of sad. I am too. Like, I could do another episode, but we're going to be out of town for so long. Yeah. And like, it's the last week of summer. Exactly. So, so we just have to do it. Yeah. This is it. But, you know, we'll be on a break until the beginning of August, but I actually don't think that really messes up the schedule No, it much. really doesn't. I, like, I initially thought I was like, oh, that's so long without a new episode, but I think that's really just a little over two weeks. Yeah. Because this is coming out much later than when we're recording it. Yeah. LOL. Um, anyway, <laughs> today we are reverting back to murder. Yay. Yay. <laughs> because, because we haven't done that in a couple weeks. No, we haven't. We've been, like, kind of testing the waters of some other things. So we're just gonna, you know, do a nice little murder case. Yeah. Um, fun fact, it has taken Julian and I probably an hour and a half to do this episode. Um, yeah, do you want to hear? I'll, I'll <laughs> give you a little update of our morning. So basically, we're like, you know what would be so cute and fun and cool? To go get breakfast before we record. So yeah. like, great idea, whatever. Izzy and I on the phone yesterday when we decided what time Izzy was going to come pick me up to go. Don't ever do this because we were no. not we were not prepared for the situation that would come. We, she told me 9.30. I asked, what time? We're both up early anyway, and she told me 9.30. So I was like, okay, whatever. So, you know, around like 9.10, I decided to start getting ready. You know, I put my makeup on, which only takes me like five minutes, and all of a sudden my doorbell rings. And I'm like, who the fuck is at my house? And I look out to my window, and I didn't even see anybody. And so then I go to open the door, and sure enough, Izzy's there. And I'm like, hey. I, f- I totally forgot what time. So I was just like, you know, I know it was sometime during 9, the hour of 9. So I'm just going to leave at 9. Yeah. So she was at my house early, which was fine, because then she helped me pick up my outfit and stuff. Yeah, and it was chill. Mm-hmm. But then we drove to get pliables which was so good yeah it was really good actually highly recommend yes um we took some pictures and then we sat in the car and looked at the pictures for 30 minutes and then we drove home uh-huh and then we came up to my house and i put on pajamas and we just talked for like a long time yeah we haven't been able to start like the whole process of this morning started like a little after nine it is currently eleven forty-two. <laughs> Okay, but anyways, murder time. Yeah, murder time. Okay, so today we're going to be covering the McStay family murders, so I'll get started with some background. Joseph McStay was 40, and his wife Summer McStay was 43 at the time of their disappearance. They had two children together. One was named Joseph Jr., he was three years old, and Gianni, who was four. I think I actually used to know someone when I was younger whose name was Gianni. Seriously? Fun fact of the day. (laughs) One of my old neighbors. Okay, anyway. So, in, you know, the stereotypical sense, I guess, they were considered a very picture-perfect family. Mm -hmm. They had just moved into a new house in Fallbrook, California, which is a suburb of San Diego. I've always wanted to go to San Diego. I love San Diego. See, I've I've never been. I heard the weather's nice. I think you would love it. Like, I can see you in San Diego. I would love to go to 
school in San Diego. Anyway, no, this isn't about me. This is about a murder. Um, anyway, they also had two doggies. Yeah, they had two puppers. Um, everyone attested to the fact that they were very loving and happy, and because of this, they had really no known enemies or motives that would be against, against them. Yeah. Uh, Joseph was an entrepreneur, and he owned a company called Earth Inspired Products, which made indoor found or waterfalls. That was that was their thing. You know, it's so specific. It's I can't so get specific. over how specific like, it is. Indoor waterfalls. Yeah. That is, like, I think there's only a market for that on the West Coast. Yeah, because I've never been into someone's home who had an indoor waterfall. No. Can't say that I have. Um, but that's cool. Yeah. You know, slay. Um, anyway, Summer was a real estate agent, and she typically worked in, like, San Diego outside of the suburbs. Joseph's business was pretty successful, actually, which is impressive for indoor waterfalls. Yeah. And everyone they knew attested to the fact that he would spend every free moment of the day with Summer and their boys. They often took family trips and, like, little adventures, and they were just very close as a family. Uh, Their friends were actually pretty jealous of the seemingly perfect family dynamic and the, like, connections that they had to each other, and that's what kind of made their disappearance very just horrifying because they just seemed like such a close family. That's so sad. I know. Okay, I'm going to get out of the timeline. I think this is more of, like, a girthy timeline. Girthy? <laughs> Why did you have to use that word? I don't know. I, I don't word. know. Mine but it's, like, like, Gertrude. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's, like, pretty... Uh, it's more separated than I feel like timelines we've done in a while. Okay. So, this all started on February 4th of 2010. The day started in a seemingly normal fashion, and the family was going along with the day as usual. I mean, at least from, like, the outside view. So, both Joseph and Summer had communications on the day of their disappearance. So, Joseph had a phone call with his father before lunchtime, and in this call, his father claimed that Joseph was kind of in a hurry because he was running late to a lunch meeting for work, and the last phone call on Joseph's phone was actually to his co-worker, Charles Chase Merritt. And during the same period of time, Summer actually had talked to her sister And all communication by both Summer and Joseph came to a halt after 5.47 p.m. That's so specific. Yeah. And at 7.47 p.m., a security camera in the McStay family's neighborhood caught footage of the family's white 1996 Isuzu Trooper leaving their house. And it's not really clear who was in the car itself. Like, you couldn't really see into it. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting about this timeline is that at 8.28 p.m., a call was placed by Joseph's phone to Charles Chase Merritt's phone, and, like, he actually let it ring to voicemail. And Chase, I'm, should I call him Charles or Chase? Chase. Okay, Chase actually later claimed that this was due to the fact that he was watching a movie, and Joseph's phone was pinged by a cell tower in Fallbrook, California. I love how you just, you're like, this is, like, so interesting. He let it ring to voicemail because he was watching a movie. Like, you no, sound I think so it's, it's, suspicious of this no, guy. No, it's interesting because it was, like, they said all communication stopped, but then he had this final phone call that this guy didn't pick up. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess that is weird. And February 8th of 2010, which is four days after the original last sighting, last phone calls, the family's white Isuzu Rodeo was discovered abandoned in San Isidro on the U.S.-Mexico border, and the car was then impounded and taken in as, like, an abandoned vehicle in, like, an impound lot. San Diego's pretty close to the Mexican border, oh, yeah. though, right? Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. And this immediately led to the creation of the theory by the police that the family was potentially fleeing the country for some reason or another. 
And the next few days, the family of both Summer and Joseph tried and failed to contact them and kind of grew, like, increasingly worried. Yeah. Because this is, like, a family, like, them not answering calls is weird. Um, and they both are, like, in, like, working. Mm-hmm. Uh, February 13th of 2010, Joseph's brother named Michael went down to do some investigating of his own because just, like, the police weren't really doing anything and he thought something needed to be done. So he went to their house and he tried to knock, but when there was no answer and no car in the driveway, he decided to go through an open window into the house. In the home, he saw that there were some weird things going on and he just decided to look around. Uh, A few things that were really off to him. First off, there's, like, food rotting in the kitchen. This is really sad, but the dogs were left in the backyard. No! Yeah, they were okay, but, like, yeah, they were in the backyard. Um, Summer had actually left her prescription sunglasses on the counter, and simply he just couldn't fathom that the family had left and not told anyone they had gone or, like, why they would do that. And, like, to leave the dogs in the backyard is very strange. Exactly. Also, to leave food rotting, I don't know, I feel like that sticks out that they probably didn't leave by choice. Because, like, you know how before vacations your parents are, like, eat everything in the house so that we don't waste any food? Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's weird. And in the police search, they found even more weird stuff like that. So, by the end of February, um, obviously, concerns were growing, and February 15th, the family was reported missing by Michael and other family members. By February 19th, the police department decided to finally start an investigation. So, they first did, what they first did was they looked at the family's house, and they discovered the same weird things that Michael had found earlier, but they kind of determined that the family had left, like, on their own fruition in a rush because there was no sign of, like, foul play or, like, violence or anything in the house. Mm -hmm. And this was mainly due to the fact that there were eggs, like, left on the counter. And this is so sad, but there were two, like, child bowls left half... of popcorn left half-eaten on the couch in the TV. Like, I... That just makes me so... Like, that's a chilling image. Yeah. And by February 23rd, it was clear to the police that something had seriously gone wrong... Whether that meant that they had fled the country or that they had been kidnapped or worse, something was definitely going on. And the authorities in California alerted Interpol of the situation and that they needed to, like, be on the lookout for the missing family who they believed to be in Mexico. (sighs) Okay, so the case really went cold. There were some leads here and there, but none of them led anywhere, and there was no sign of the family until November 11th of 2013. That's a long time. Yeah, multiple years. So a motorcyclist found a skull and other assorted human remains in the desert near Victorville, California. That's a place. Victorville? Yeah. And this location is about 100 miles north of the McStay home. So, I th- first off, this is weird. Their car was found south of their home in Mexico. Yeah. So it's like, okay, interesting. Um, so, after this guy had called in, obviously, investigators immediately rushed to the scene, and they uncovered two shallow graves containing four bodies. Mm. And they also found a three-pound sledgehammer. That's the the murder weapon? A sledgehammer. That's insane. Okay, but also, it's kind of weird if the shallow, the the graves are so shallow that it took so long for them to be discovered. Exactly. And it was in a freaking desert. Like, it wasn't like they were in a forest. Yeah. In a desert. And people go through those deserts. Like, I mean, yeah. if there's a motorcycle is going through there, I'm sure there's cars passing through and stuff. Like, yeah. It's just weird to me. Maybe he was just the first, or they were just, like, the first person who actually, like, looked in looked. that area, I guess. I don't know. It's just or, crazy. like, alerted the authorities. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've gone past, like, a freaking, like, 
don't even know. Like a bag on the highway or something. Yeah, and been like, true. hmm, that's kind of weird looking, but it's nah, nothing. Not my problem. You know? Yeah. Uh, so four days later, November 15th of 2013, it was determined through autopsy that the three victims had died due to blunt force trauma inflicted by the sledgehammer. That's so sad. Yeah. And through dental records, they were able to confirm that the bodies of the adults were Joseph and Summer and that the children with them were their children through association. Um, Joseph had actually been hit in the head with a sledgehammer four times. That's insane. And it's just, like, a sledgehammer. That's so full of, like, hatred and passion and rage. Yeah. And to kill their two children who were under the age of five? Yeah. That's insane to me. Like, I'm sorry. That's just... Ugh. So now we're gonna get into, like, some suspects and theories, but more, like... I don't even know, like, yeah, suspects. More like theories and suspect. Yeah. So, there were, like, obviously assorted theories to go along with this case, because they were missing for three years before they were found. Mm -hmm. So, let's just kind of, like, kick it off by going over a few of them. So, first off, the theory that was, like, most prominent was that they left the country to Mexico on their own accord. And, I mean, this theory kind of makes sense. I Like, if you discount the bodies, like... (laughs) Before, like, this theory yeah. makes sense before they found the bodies. Yeah. Um, so, basically, it's just that the family fled the country, and because of their location in California and the fact that their kids were so little, it's plausible. And also, they discovered, like, looking at browser history and stuff in the family's home, like, um, research histories relating to Spanish lessons for kids and also, like, um, like how to get passports for little kids. So, so maybe they wanted to go on vacation. Yeah, maybe they wanted to go to vacation to Mexico or another space. I don't know. That's, country. like, far-reaching for me. Yeah, but, like, people pointed to that saying, this, they must have. This is, like, all the evidence we need. I've definitely Googled Spanish lessons before because I suck at Spanish. This doesn't no, mean I'm same. running away to Mexico. Literally. And also, like, some people just want their kids to speak more than one language. One language, yeah. Anyways. So... Especially since their car was found in Mexico, it was believed that this was their intention. And also, apparently, there were, like, a lot of unconfirmed sightings in Mexico of the family. But we know that this is bull, and this could... Because they were not alive in Mexico at any point. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, they... No offense, they don't really stand out. Like, if I saw... I feel like so many families of four look like them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like... It's, like, you see a woman with dark hair and a guy with brown hair and two little kids. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Um, and it's also kind of important to mention that Summer and Joseph had about $100,000 in their bank account, and it was totally untouched after their disappearance. And also, no money was withdrew to, like, say... Withdrawn. withdrawn. <laughs> no money was withdrawn. That would point to them, like, cashing out to get money yeah. to go like well, if you to need go to away. live in Mexico I feel like you need some money you can't just leave that in uh, your bank account yeah so yeah this theory is a no from me and there was also this like really loosely based theory that like did way more harm than good and that was like a man named Rick Baker basically wrote a whole ass book in which he accused Summer of killing her family why I don't even like it's just I don't know and they weren't even missing for that long yeah. when he wrote this and when the bodies of the family were actually found, he then offered a refund to whoever bought this book. <laughs> That's so, so pathetic. Yeah, you know, in total, he probably issued two refunds, one to his mom and one to his own bank account. Oh, burn. 
But yeah, no. I just... Ugh. That's just... Why would you do that when it's... They're still missing. Yeah. I don't know. That just makes me kind of angry. All right, so now we're going to talk about our suspect in this case, Chase Merritt. And yes, this is the co-worker from earlier. <laughs> so he worked with Joseph McStay and his custom waterfall business. Mm-hmm. And Chase, like we said, was one of the last people to speak on the phone with Joseph. And then there was that weird occurrence with the ringing phone call or whatever yeah. later on. And in 2013, he shared that they'd actually been together for over an hour on the day of their disappearance slash murder. I'm not really sure what day the murder occurred on because mm-hmm. it can't be confirmed, but whatever. the same day of their disappearance. He also passed a polygraph in 2013. But, I like, yeah. yeah. But polygraph, I mean, polygraphs are so unreliable They're anyway. so unreliable. I just, yeah, yeah I never trust polygraphs because I feel like the people who shouldn't be passing them pass them and the people that, like, should be able to pass them don't pass them because they're nervous. Yeah, like, I bet I wouldn't pass a polygraph just because I get so, I would get so anxious and nervous. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, he did have this very fishy criminal history. He had felony convictions for both burglary and receiving stolen property. Okay. And, like, while those aren't, like, vic- or, what do you call it, violent crimes? Yeah. They're still felony charges, And so. also, it's, like, someone who, d- like, I don't know, working with someone who has those kind of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just a little sketchy. Icky. Then in January of 2014, he actually suggested that he might write a book about the McStay family. Which huh? I feel like is odd that so many people just wanted to write a book about this no, family. Yeah, what? Like, let them... Let them be. Let them be. <laughs> um, anyway, he was like, I, yeah, I think I might write a book um, saying that Summer had, like, anger issues, which caused an unexplained illness in Joseph. This whole thing is so weird for me to follow. That, no. And Joseph's family actually said, they were like, yeah, Joseph had an illness, but... Summer was, like, a bit possessive, but obviously the two had no correlation to each yeah. other. And it was just very, very strange. And you can't say someone is possessive and then be, like, substantiate, the, like, that they killed their entire family. Oh, that's not what he was trying to say. He was saying that it caused a physical illness in Joseph. This wasn't really about the murders, more about oh, them as oh, a family. Oh, oh. Okay. He was just a weird dude. Yeah. Anyway, then in November of 2014, Chase was actually arrested in connection to the murders because his DNA was found in the car. Oh, yeah. I can't believe it took that long for yeah, him to Yeah, why did that it out, take though. that long? Like, that was, that's kind of weird. Anyway, he was finally arrested, and the suspected motive actually for the murders was money um, because Chase had a big, like, gambling problem. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so following the deaths, actually, I don't know how they didn't find out this out sooner, but he wrote checks, like, from Joseph's business account. Like, $21,000 worth, and went on, like, a gambling spree at all these different casinos, and he supposedly lost thousands of dollars during the spree alone. Like, after, this is after they had been found. Oh my god. That's just like, uh, like, even if he didn't murder them. Oh, no, he did murder them. He's still a piece of shit. Most definitely murdered them. Yeah. Um, his trial was delayed several times because he continued to fire his attorneys and try oh to my. represent himself. Oh, my God. He actually God. went through five attorneys by 2016. Oh, my God. So this dude is just a wacky, wacky person and also a violent murderer. Yeah. Um, he was finally convicted in 2019 for the murder of the McStay family, and he was sentenced to the death penalty, and he was actually sentenced to death in January of 2020. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. It's been a while since we've done a murder or like a crime in general that was done for the purpose of money. Yeah, and it's just like the I fact that he killed the entire are. family. I know. Just so we could go gambling. Like, he must have been like and a like psychopath. Cuckoo. Like I, I just 
How do you justify that? Like you can't. He could have like, just stole no. the money. Yeah, you could have just taken the money. You why? Why did he need to kill him? He literally had access to the accounts beforehand. Oh my god! I'm trying to figure this out. Like, I like cannot wrap my brain around that. The whole family, the little kids ugh. with a sledgehammer. It's just awful. Oh my god! This guy sucks. At least you know he got what was come to him. Yeah. Okay, I'm not in favor of the death penalty though. I because. It's such a gray area for me. I can't get on board with it because I feel like when people commit crimes like that, they, their punishment is just to sit and rot in a jail no, cell. Exactly. Because like, then they're thinking about their punishment. You kill them, and then they just, like... Like, honestly, it's better. Yeah, like, if you're... If you are a horrible person, I feel like you're going to suffer more in jail. Exactly. Than and this guy is also a child murderer, and, like, apparently in jail, you get, like... yeah. So no, I just think jail is better because it's not like he's going to ever get out. Exactly. And also, if you are not actually guilty, being in, like, sometimes they put, I feel like there's so many cases of people on death row. That are, shouldn't that be there. Are, like, that are not guilty. So, like, wouldn't you rather keep them alive until you, like, what if one day you figure that no. out? Yeah. That's why I'm so against it, just because I feel like the, it's a bigger punishment anyway. And then if yeah. they find out they made a mistake, they can, like, fix, fix their it. mistake. Can't fix like killing a person that was innocent. No, exactly. Ugh. Ugh. That's why. That's why I'm against it. I've like thought about this hard. I actually can't get on board with it because I feel like the greater punishment is having them sit in jail. Exactly. And also, this is like a weird fun fact. Not even fun. It's like fun fact, but really sad fact. Oh. Um, if you are put to death and you survive, like it doesn't work, then you're free. What? Yeah. Like all your convictions are taken away from you. Are you serious? That's a thing? Yeah. Oh my, where did you learn that? I don't... I, rem- I know it's a thing. I remember watching a documentary or something about it. That's or insane. Matt mentioned it, but yeah. I didn't realize that. Does that. I hope that doesn't happen a lot. I don't think it does. That's good. But like, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's weird. Like, you could be a horrible murderer and like, be the worst person alive and you just get off. That's insane. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, this was the McStay Family Murders. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at tgic.podcast and check out our other podcast, Toxic Positivity, at toxicpositivity.podcast. Bye! Bye.